0: Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is the real sex education. Every other week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. But in order to do this, I need an expert, a sex expert if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, Mum.
2: Hello, Diggs.
0: In this episode, we speak to Silva Neves about the danger with how some therapists treat LGBTQ plus clients who say...
3: I treat everybody the same, it's just the person that counts. But by looking at everybody the same, that means we also erase the differences. Body image issues
0: in the gay community. They
3: just are muscle bound and they've got zero fat in their bodies. And yet, they are lost,
0: really, in the world. And the side effects of loving your job. My
3: husband often says, you know, can we get through a dinner party without you mentioning penises and vaginas, please?
0: (laughs) Hello, and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Degree Wait, and I'm joined as ever by accredited sex and relationship therapist, Kate Campbell. Hello, Mum.
2: Hello, Diggs.
0: Today we're joined by a colleague of yours, Mum, fellow sex and relationship therapist Silver Neves, who will be talking to us about why LGBTQ plus people might come to therapy and what pink therapy is. And listeners, you may recognise Silver Neves from a TV show called Sex on the Couch, which she was involved oh, yes. with on BBC3. And that got me thinking, Mum, if you were going to be on a TV show, what would it be on?
2: You know what it would be.
0: I do know what it would be, but I want you to tell the people listening.
2: It would be House of Games.
0: Richard Osman's House Richard of Games. Richard Osman's House of Games, If yes. anyone knows anyone who's on that programme, uh, the thing is, mum and we I... know lots
2: of people who've been on that programme.
0: Oh, we know. well, yeah, we know, we know loads. We've had people on the show have been on the programme. Yeah, what I mean yeah, is if we several. know people who work on it, who can get in Richard's ear and say, Richard, yeah. listen.
2: Let us on it. Let, Let us, us on it. it. Let us if, on if it. If people
0: don't know, Richard Osman's House of Games is... It's a it's a quiz show and there's different quizzes that you can do in little games right and at the end of it
2: where is Kazakhstan
0: yeah that's one of the rounds where you have to yeah it says where's Luxembourg and you have got point to it on a map yeah surprisingly hard you know that sort of stuff I don't like that one uh, yeah Mum hates that one your geography is shocking I remember we we went to India and I said point to it on a map
2: when did we go to India
0: oh <laughs> uh, yeah no you've been to, oh yeah we were in Japan and I said point to India and you were like oh I don't know. <laughs> And it's, it's really But it is
2: somewhere else. We were in Japan. Don't don't distract me.
0: Alright, alright. Yeah. Anyway anyway you're... I gave
2: up geography when I was fourteen or something, thirteen.
0: So did I Did you? I think you stop in year nine.
2: But I travel a lot. I've, Do you know, I've been to yeah, seven no, countries this year. Seven. Oh, sorry,
0: sorry. Don't say, yeah, but I travel a lot, so admit it's fine that I don't know where I'm going. It's actually worse that you travel a lot and don't know where the hell you are I in the do world. I don't know
2: where I am
0: when I'm oh, there. Listen, I wish I could show the people listening I at did, home I swear, where you put I India on, on a map. I look on the
2: map on the plane. I, on, when I'm on the plane, I look on but a if map if and I see where, where I'm is, going.
0: Then how are you... Why does that make this... There's it's no context. You probably you probably think you're three minutes away from the front door if you, if you you look. look. Look at that map. Because you've got no idea where it is.
2: Right. When I went to Barbados, my mum thought Barbados was in Spain. She thought it was a part of Spain. So we are a family that doesn't really do places.
0: I am going to say this to you. Mm. Does the wag of a dog's tail direct where the dog is going to go?
2: I've no idea. Why?
0: Does the wake of a ship dictate where that ship is going to go next? Or where it's been what i'm trying to say is don't blame your family for this you can absolutely change the course of history if you want to you could learn your, your geography but the, uh, but a, a dog does is you know it, right, looks oily, look, it directs itself i've just
2: been to canada i know where that is it's in north america it's next to the united states
0: good all right we're learning yeah, that's good right okay well, I, also can i just say just to bring it back that was me there making a greater point about you know when people beat themselves up and they go oh because i'm like this that means i'm like this no You can write your new script today. Mum used to be terrible at geography, but now she knows where Canada is, so it's fine.
2: it's a good job we're not in the same room i would bash you <laughs> listen so you're, you're not gonna they're not gonna let me on the house of games if you keep saying i'm bad at where I'm is right, kazakhstan yeah. so That's true
0: you know anyway right speaking we should move on because speaking <laughs> no, i was speak. enjoying that that was good fun but mm-hmm. people are probably bored they've seen the title of this episode and they're going they haven't talked about lgbtq plus people at all yet um not that we know what Richard Osman's sexual orientation is. Yeah, well, um, but,
2: well he has that game. One of the games is where he, you, you, he asks people, would he, if he was in a relationship, prefer this person or this person? And they're quite often yes. trans or genderless or, or men or women. He doesn't, he doesn't differentiate. He's pan.
0: Oh, my word. Yep. Richard Osman is pansexual.
2: And he also likes cats. He loves cats.
0: Oh, that's ruined it. Well, I don't mean. That's disgusting.
2: I don't mean for sexual purposes. I mean. Why
0: would you immediately follow on from he's pan? You go, yeah, he loves cats.
2: (laughs) He likes to stroke a pussy.
0: (laughs) Mum! (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, Mum, come on now. We need to reel it in. Right. Mm -hmm. Silver Neves. He looks at all sorts of things. He looks at, you know, he specializes in trauma therapy, um, sexual compulsivity, and LGBT. TQ plus therapy, all of that, uh, and and obviously much more. But today we're going to talk to him about that. So we're joined by him now, Silver. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. How are you? Oh, we're very. I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. For people that don't know, Silva, can you give us a little bit more background on yourself?
3: Yes, I've been working as a psychosexual and relationship therapy for about 10 years. And um, I specialise in sexual trauma and compulsive sexual behaviours and in uh, working with people from the LGBTQ plus communities. And I just mm. love my work. I see individuals and couples, mm-hmm. people who have sexual problems, relationship problems, all that stuff. I often find... Like sometimes it's it's just so strange, you know, when people ask me what I do for a living, sometimes I have to think, do I mm. say therapist or do I say sex therapist? Yeah. What kind of reaction yeah. do I want?
2: It depends whether, it depends sometimes. It, you, you know, sometimes it's quite fun to say sex therapist. It depends on the company and shock people because mm. some, sometimes people don't know what to answer. But, you, you know, it changes you when you start training or when you do something like this. You get used to talking about things and you don't realise that other people don't. And I went to my book club one day after I'd been A Therapist for One and I went to my book club and we were talking about an Alan Bennett book and somebody said, this is a fine book but he talks so much about masturbation and I laughed because I thought, oh, they're joking, you know, as if that's Mm -hmm. not a problem and they were like, yes, yes, this is that's really, really terrible and I was like, oh my God, they're serious.
3: (laughs) My husband often says, you know, can we get through a dinner party without you mentioning penises and vaginas, please? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not the one starting the conversations, it's people ask. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly
0: yeah i'm sure it's yeah, yeah. When, when they find out they're like right well that's good i've been willing i've been waiting to ask a question yeah. and, oh god here we go yeah yeah oh, absolutely there we go. the thing we wanted to focus on a bit more today was lgbtq plus people and the reasons why they might come to sex therapy and relationship therapy and whether they differ at all from heterosexual couples i imagine in a lot of cases it's all this it's like a couple is a couple they might have the same sorts of issues it might be disagreements or whatever but are there any, are there any big differences you see between lgbtq plus people that come to therapy as opposed to straight people or heterosexual people?
3: Um, yeah, I think there is a, a big difference. I think that on the surface, you're right that people come from the same reasons, so sexual problems or communication mm. problems, frequent conflict, all of that, and they just want help with that. So on the surface, it looks the problem looks the same. But in the actual relationship, it's quite different because the system is different in some ways. And the the big difference is that people in the LGBTQ plus communities, they haven't really had a lot of... Vision about how to conduct their relationship compared to the image that we have in our society of a heterosexual couple. There is kind of mm-hmm. like a guide for heterosexual couple, what you know, how it looks like, um, you know, the the rules, if you will. Whereas for uh, LGBTQ people, a lot of the time they feel their relationship to be invalidated because a lot of the society. Tells them that it's wrong to be in a relationship with someone of the same gender, or to be in a relationship with more than one person, or to even mm. have some sexual behaviors that are not the heterosexual ones. And so often they try to follow the heterosexual guide because that's all there is. So they often, often gay people still think they should be monogamous and and sex should be penetrative and and all of that stuff, all the heteronormative things. To be fair, a lot of heterosexual couples also f- struggle with. The heteronormative stuff because you know Mm. the the heteronormative uh, guides don't agree with a lot of heterosexual people too.
2: You know what has occurred to me? uh, There's a there's a bit of a narrative around um, LGBTQ plus people being better. At relationships, because mm. they because they have to think about them more, because they don't have a template, so they're always they've always going to be better. They're always going to be better at doing things, and which just creates another set of pressures.
3: Yes, mm. that's
2: right. But but you read the literature, and oh yeah, there's all this research that says oh yeah, they're all better. Yeah,
3: yeah, mm. uh, that's right. And that's just the same thing with vanilla versus kink. There's quite a lot of mm-hmm. stories now that vanilla is boring and kink is colourful and it's exciting and you should be kinky. If you not kinky, you're boring and you know that's, that's just mm. doesn't it's not helpful because vanilla is just as exciting and colourful as kink, you know?
2: Yeah, mm. and one person's vanilla is another person's kink and fine. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But with, with yeah. the LGBTQ people there is the extra thing of what we call minority stress and that is the kind of ongoing stress of being in a minority basically. And that mm. stress that is kind of like quite constant. So yeah, it's uh, it's bad. It's not safe. And uh, I hear even in the UK sometimes that there are some LGBTQ people that just feel not quite safe in the therapy room with some therapists who don't have the adequate knowledge about LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. And even those therapists are really well meaning. You know, of course they want to do the best for the clients. But if they don't understand the specificities of what it's like to work with LGBTQ people, they could actually uh, miss them. For example, there's uh, one one that's. Uh, quite a common language that's oh I work with a person, you know, I I treat everybody the same. It's just the person that yeah. counts. And you know that's that's a very, very good sentiment, isn't it? But by looking at everybody the same, that means we also erase the differences. And mm-hmm. and we need to look, to work to work with the differences because it is different. They, they live. Mm. They don't live in the same world, you know, uh, LGBTQ people who know that there are 70 countries in the world that don't accept them is not the same person as a heterosexual person that can just mm. book a flight to Dubai without thinking about it for example yeah. and so and the minority stress is something that heterosexual people don't have to think about and heterosexual people don't have to think about holding the hand of their partners it doesn't even register in their mind as something to consider so there is mm. a lot of differences and we need to be able to understand those differences to provide a safe space for our clients absolutely
0: mm. and that's why i mean partly today we want to focus on LGBTQ plus people who come to therapy because like you say, I think some people will look maybe will see the title and think, Well, why why is it any different? Why should it be any different? Why would it be different why an LGBTQ plus person would go to therapy as opposed to anyone else? But it's exactly those differences that you realise. And I think, like you say, it's a well meaning sentiment. It's almost it's almost like the all lives matter sentiment. It's like it's a well meaning idea, Mm. but actually the when you look into it any deeper you realize it is the differences that are important here and we need to talk about those that's what we need to work with
3: yeah. so i think that's uh, that's that's the difference between heterosexual uh, relationships and lgbtq relationships as well as other things that can sometimes inform um people's sense of well-being in a relationship for example how parents approve or disapprove you know and sometimes mm. a relationship in lgbtq plus relationships can feel really destabilized because the parents of one could just be very disapproving and then that person has to live in a conflict between Mm. not wanting to be rejected by their parents but at the same time wanting to stay in the relationship and sometimes they can feel an impossible place to be to have to to split in that way. And those Mm. really big emotional turmoil can make relationships very hard to navigate.
0: Oh, wow, absolutely. I mean, you just reminded me, I was reading on a forum the other day, someone talking about the fact that they... You know, they they identified as a lesbian and they went to university. They had lots of lesbian relationships, one in particular. They came back from university into their family, who was a big family, very close-knit, quite religious as well. They found out about her relationship. They weren't happy at all. She's so tied to this family and she believes so well in her religion as well that she knows that she knows, in inverted commas, that... She shouldn't be a lesbian. And so they've quickly arranged her a marriage and she's due to get married. And she was asking on this forum, we're due to have sex on our wedding night. How do I prepare? And how, because I'm not, I'm not excited about it or I'm not, you know, I don't even know how to have sexual sex. Is that, that's, is that a common thing or is that an extreme case of something like that? Uh,
3: unfortunately, it's not extreme. And it's happening It's wow. happening just way too often. Yeah. And even now in 2022 in the UK, it happens still now. Mm. In fact, I just received a text yesterday from somebody wanting conversion therapy, which is basically <gasps> the therapy of, you know, right? Uh, yeah. So... Um, Good Yeah, heavens. it's happening still now. So,
0: so, what what is conversion therapy? Conversion
3: therapy is a th- therapy, you know, therapy yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is um, that has the assumption that being heterosexual is the only natural way to be, and everything else is a disease. And so, if somebody mm. is not heterosexual, the therapy seeks to correct their sexual attraction to become heterosexual, basically. Mm. And what we know now is that it's extremely unethical. It's very very harmful. But in the UK, so far it is still not banned it's not mm. illegal in the uk it's not not yet wow None. when will that change well there is at the moment a, a big a big movement to make it happen but uh, i have to say the government is dragging their feet right now so really
2: yeah. dragging why it, it's why? really shocking
0: is that so and they're dragging their feet i don't understand it because i mean like gay marriage and stuff is is legal in this country like surely mm. we're making steps that way, this seems so unethical Yeah, Well I
3: think the the, the big struggle is that there is a big conflict with religion and uh, Mm. most of the conversion therapy stuff happens within religious settings or with people highly Mm. religious and at the moment some, not everybody obviously but some religious people are starting to say well if we ban conversion therapy that means that we become discriminated against and so there is this big kind of uh, conflict between the discrimination of LGBTQ people and the Mm. discrimination of religion and those two seem to be um, in fights really
0: what does so, what does i mean do i want to ask this question what does conversion <laughs> therapy look like like what are they, what happens in it
3: well there's loads of different ways to to do it so one of them is it's less practiced now but used to be practiced a lot it was called exorcism
0: oh wow okay so yeah jesus <laughs>
3: And that's when they just bring the person that's LGBTQ into a big group of people, usually in a church setting or in a religious place, and they just beat them up sometimes. It can be something like this, yeah. or they, or they force them to vomit the demon that makes them gay or whatever and so it's very uh, it's actually basically physical abuse and psychological abuse and verbal abuse is just terrible but that's kind of like the extreme there are some Mm -hmm. other things where the treatment would be to have a drink that's made up of vinegar and other stuff that would make you want to vomit and just think when Mm -hmm. you have that sexual thought then you drink that drink then you vomit and then you associate being sick with the sexual thought that's called aversion therapy as well yeah they've
2: used electric shocks as well yeah
3: that as well yeah Yeah. Yeah. and that Kind of like stress ball with pins inside to, to kind of, yeah, to uh, hurt your hand when you have sexual thoughts. Mm. But now, um, also it's practiced with, um, people who do on the surface very good counseling, you know, as in very, they're very empathic Mm. and they say, I'm here for you. I'm here to explore Mm. all of that. But the assumption is your sexual attraction is because of trauma in the past. It's not natural. So we're just going to heal that trauma and then you're going to become heterosexual again. so that is mm. the that is the more modern version and the harder one to detect because the abuse is not so um, overt, but but it's a it's a, mm. it's a really covert one that does a lot of psychological damage
0: because those therapists were saying I'm healing their trauma it's fine yeah. but but I mean I'm guessing oh well yeah that just sounds. It sounds... There's just
2: the, the, there's no bit of it. There's no, no. part. No, not even when people say, "Oh, we're only praying for them." I mean, it's not none of it. It's it does so much damage, and mm. and we're here wiping up the damage all the time. I mean, the number of people I've seen who've been through this, it's it's ridiculous. In 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 2022, it's shocking. And every time I see somebody, I just want to cry. Even just thinking about it, it's because it's so ludicrous. Yeah,
0: really. Mm. Yeah. And so, what? what when? Because I obviously saw it on your website, um, Silver. That, that, that this is something that you see a lot when when people come to you. What? What? You know. Firstly, what sort of damage has been done to them, and then also how do you go about? helping them?
3: Well, I kind of do mostly trauma therapy, really, because they are traumatized mm. people. So uh, they, they mm. come with symptoms of post-trauma stress. A lot come with suicidal ideation. Some people even have attempted suicide as well, because they just hate themselves. They hate their sexuality. They feel broken be- beyond belief because, you know, they they think they failed their treatment that they had with, with conversion therapy, and they're just uh, worthless, basically. So mm. uh, that's really where you start from. And that's very a very very low point so it's just really a long long road of healing the trauma rebuilding but also helping them to Embrace the, the sexuality as it is and to start to rebuild from scratch, basically. So the good news is that it's, it's really possible. Once you have a really good therapist that is, um, you know, LGBTQ friendly and you can start to provide mm-hmm. that safe space, there is a lot of flourishing can, that can happen. So, um, there's, there's so much healing can, that can be done and that is possible. But for some, it's a very, very long road because for, for a lot of people that access Conversion therapy now is because they've been told from a very very young age, sometimes by their own parents, that their sexuality mm. is wrong. So it's a, an entire lifetime of trauma to try to change.
2: And it's people that you love and trust, isn't it? That's that's so awful. That so makes it so much more complicated. That's right. Mm.
3: And often yeah. we talk about uh, family of choice compared to family of origin. And, and unfortunately, <laughs> there are some people. I mean, there are some parents. I've heard some parents definitely change their mind over time and said, yeah, Yes, I was homophobic Mm. when I was, when you were young, but now I've learned since and now I'm just going to help repair the damage I've done. So, you know, those parents, fantastic, Mm -hmm. you know, those that can change their mind. But there are some that are really stuck in in their beliefs that being LGBTQ is wrong and they shouldn't exist. And so then the the big heartbreak for the children of those parents is to move away from them and to give up the hope that they will change and give up the hope that they will love them as they are. And so then they have to find a family of choice. And that is basically, you know, the family that's under the rainbow umbrella the the rainbow flag and uh, mm. but then there is you know when people do find those fam- family of choice which are basically the friends that they feel really safe with and and accepted people can really thrive mm. Mm.
2: Yes. there's a bit of a, a, a there's still misunderstanding though just just in general if you think about terms like internalized homophobia is used all the time, especially in therapy. And people come to therapy feeling bad about themselves being gay, not necessarily even aware of that. And we and we kind of label them as having internalized homophobia. When what we should be doing, instead of blaming them <laughs> for the way they feel, because because of the way society is treating them, we should be looking at society and and the way we all treat one another, and saying, "Hey, you've had a tough time. Let's deal with the tough time you've had, not deal with your." disordered thinking which is which still happens so even though we we're saying well we don't sign up to anything anything to do with conversion therapy a lot of therapists still buy into blame that's and, right and and it's yes. not so Well,
3: I, I think that's because psychotherapy is is a field where it was just all about the self, isn't it? So yeah. So and we've not been so good at looking at the, the systemic part of it, which is that mm. actually there's nothing wrong with the individual. It's actually the world that is causing the trauma, yeah. and it's an ongoing trauma because homophobia, biphobia and transphobia is ongoing. So mm. the yeah. healing really is kind of like the, the ongoing maintenance of continuing to heal an ongoing trauma in some ways, and um, it's so easy for people to. See Say well, maybe I'm not as good as other people because oh look, I hear the Pope that says that, and I hear this person that says that, and mm. oh, and I see on on social media somebody being attacked on the bus just for holding the hand of their partner, and all of that mm. are messages that keep saying, well, maybe I'm not safe here, and maybe I need to edit myself and not be myself and mm. And, yes, I hope that in the future, we're going to understand we're going to change the term internalized homophobia and we're going to change it to to something else you know to more like you know if people do have those kind of thoughts, it's just really because they are learned and because there's not mm. and because there's not enough not enough other conversations about um looking at how. Thriving people can be. There is more mm. now, I have to say, and s- thanks to um, you know platforms like Netflix, for example, or a Sex mm. Education, uh, where where there is so much visibility of of people of diverse sexual orientations, um, mm. that can just be you know they just have the roles that everybody else have, and they just happen to be LGBTQ, and they just thrive, and they just you know human beings like anybody else.
2: It's interesting though that as you said people people your age for instance um have have been through a lot i mean we we, we see younger people today who who perhaps don't haven't experienced section 28 and all, 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 the other horrors that there have been really recently, really recently. And it, I mean, all that trauma is, is only just below the, I mean, it's still going on, as you say, on the outside, but only just below the surface and all government sanctioned, all, you know, all, allowed, all, all, you know, for the greater good. It's, it's terrifying, really. Yeah. And, and we forget that in most of the world, it's, you, you can't, it is, it is illegal. Yeah. You can 70
3: countries. 70 countries have, have uh, yeah. anti-gay laws. So 70 wow. countries where LGBTQ people are not protected, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, does does America count as one of those? I'm very interested at the moment reading about this Don't Say Gay bill <laughs> that's trying to be passed in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. America yeah.
3: is considered the liberal country and the LGBTQ mm. safe place. But I, as you said, I don't think it's quite safe. Yeah. It depends where you go. If you stick to the coast, maybe.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. New
3: York. California, maybe, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. not from yeah. sure about the rest. But
2: Orlando is supposed to be a you know a gay area. Yeah, you know, Orlando, Florida, and Miami. Right. Yeah, mm. and and yet it's Florida where this is happening, and mm. it's it's extraordinary. Terrible.
0: And with this bill, they basically want to make it so that no school, no, no one in school is allowed to talk about gay, mm. le- anything gay, anything yes. lesbian, anything like that. Yes. Um, basically, another version of Section Twenty Eight here in the UK. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Do you think that the pendulum is? almost swinging back the other way sometimes because we were talking earlier about like on Netflix and stuff all these great television shows and so many times we come on this show and people go they talk about when we ask people what their sex education was like they'll be like oh you know part of my sex education was watching tv and film and just seeing how couples interacted on that and stuff like this Mm -hmm. so having that representation is gonna do wonders and so like you say people who are being born now will hopefully feel a lot more comfortable in their own skin when they grow up So I think that's really good. But then you see things in Florida and you think, well what's going on i thought we were progressing and actually in some areas i think we were regressing and I, I worry that it's a pendulum swing where in one way we've gone really far and we're doing really well but it only just means it's going to swing twice as hard the other way mm. and it's just going to be you know yeah
3: i don't know, I don't know either i think um <laughs> i used to think that we could as human beings we could learn and we could evolve and we could just uh, progress in a linear way but it sounds like mm. <laughs> as human as human beings if you look at history we tend to like going around circles <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of like fashion. You know, the, the same sort of things just crop up again and again and yeah. again.
2: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: One thing I was really interested to see as well on your website was the body image issues. Particularly among gay men, because obviously, body image issues, I think, again, for a lot of people, they just, you, you read that and you think, well, obviously, they're either talking about women who constantly are seeing magazines and Instagram and they're comparing themselves to other women and all that sort of thing, or they think body image issues is for trans people and their own body image issues with themselves and, and in a body that they don't feel right in, that sort of thing. But it's quite prevalent in the gay community is that right that's
3: right yes very it's it's very bad actually it's uh, just um, really quite similar to women and the and relationship that they have with their body and again this is just to do with our society and to do with a systemic kind mm. of uh, standard of beauty and mm. um, the the gay press is very bad with that because if you look at the gay press and you look at media for gay men it's all about bodies that are just perfect and Mm. full of muscles and tall Mm. and whatever, flawless, basically. So then a lot of people will compare themselves to that standard. And because there aren't hardly any other images of what it could be like for gay people just to be, then it feels like somebody Mm. who doesn't fit with that particular strict image, they are just not as good as, not as desirable. And therefore they can feel just a bit bad about themselves or even worthless. And so Mm. that is a big issue. And that really drives a lot of eating disorders, amongst gay men. Mm. Gay men mm. and, and women have a higher percentage of eating disorders and that's because of that kind of beauty standard that's put on them. Wow. Mm. But also with gay men and women, it's ages as well. Like it's, it's a very ageist mentality. Mm. And with the gay press, it's the same thing. We, we prize youth as something that's highly desirable and as soon as you pass 40 you're basically becoming a zombie and or invisible. And same, mm-hmm. and, and same for women. So there is very big pressures with that and that That drives all sorts of different things. And there are some gay men that literally just spend their time at the gym to try to just achieve that standard. And by Mm -hmm. doing that, they don't pay attention to other areas of their lives. And I have so many people in my practice who they just are muscle bound and they've got zero fat in their bodies. Mm. And yet they are really lost because they just don't know themselves. They don't know Mm. the meaning of life. They don't know what's the point of it all. And they can be Mm. extremely depressed or sad or lost really in the world. Mm. And and the thing is like, you know, they originally they just go to the gym and all that because they're like, you know, if I do that, if I have that body, then I will get the love. I will be desirable. And then they realize they do all this work and then they realize, well, I'm still single and I still and I still don't know how to maintain relationships and I still have sexual problems. So what's going on? And then they hit a wall there and think, OK, so what am I doing now? Wow. And what do you, what do you tell them in that situation? Well, it's just, again, it's, it's kind of like a a long, hard road of self-acceptance and to, and to help them love themselves as they are, really, and to make sure Mm. that that there's more to a human being than just the looks. It's also all Mm. the rest, all this other stuff. And, and often Mm. it's, you know, how can you just feel good enough and lovable just by being you know not 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 doing not status not what you look like not how much money you earn not how big your penis is just just be you know mm. what is it like to mm. just be, and that it's mm. it's it's quite a challenge for a lot of people because many people have never really thought of that.
2: There's a great exercise where you write out a hundred times, "I'm the kind of person who," and it could be an, absolutely anything. You know, I'm the kind of person who likes sushi, or I'm the kind of person who li- likes hula hoops, or I'm the kind of person who drives a fast car, or mm. I'm the kind of person who likes penetrative sex. Whatever it is, loads, a hundred of them, and then you go back and you go, "I'm the kind of person who whatever," and that means means and it's Mm. the meaning that's really really important and then the third time you go back i'm the kind of person who and that means and so so then you can double down on being the way you are or you can think about what sort of change you might want to make Um, i mean you you know and quite often that that third column is and i need to accept myself and i need to accept myself Mm. and i need to accept all the way down it's 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 a it's a great exercise just check in with yourself yeah
3: absolutely It's, it's wonderful and also you know looking at value spending some with with the values because that's so important to mm-hmm. people and and often people move away from their own values because they're just uh, caught up with what they think they should do so so with all with all the shoots yeah. the they move away and, and often when you look at people's values as you were saying Kate it just goes back to just a few things a few essential things for mm-hmm. example values of connection or values of of being around loved ones for example those like a, mm-hmm. the meaningful things and it's not really about working all these hours and being the CEO or something or earning. Mm-hmm. All that money or having the perfect body. That is so far down the line of, of the real meaningful things. When people really start to uh, think yeah. about it, they start to reconfigure where the values lie.
2: Yes, it's, it's so true. And when you I don't know about you, Silver, but I often say to people, What do you enjoy? <laughs> and they look, What? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> what? I, I mean, and they don't think about what they enjoy, and they, and then most people don't seem to be living the life they want to live. They're living the life they think they ought to live, or they're striving for what they think they ought to have. I mean, sexual frequency is a good example of that. With people coming along, coming along for sex therapy, saying, "Right, fix, make us have more sex," and you say, "Well, do you want to have more sex?" Well, no, not really. <laughs> and, <yes>. yeah. <laughs> but we feel we ought to.
3: Exactly. And and this, and the yeah. thing, as you were saying, Kate. The, what you enjoy it goes to the, the pleasure conversation, Ooh, because a, a exactly. lot of people just don't uh, don't pay attention to the to the pleasure. Some even feel guilty mm-hmm. to, for being pleasure seeking, and so mm-hmm. again, often like with with uh, gay men, if if they say, "Oh well, I have a life," or where well, it's like you know, the gym and the gym and the gym and pushing my body, and then it's mm-hmm. dry chicken and rice because that's what they can have. Think, oh, you know, and where's the pleasure in all of this? And, you know, when you start to talk mm. about the pleasure, then start to realise quite shockingly that their life is actually quite joyless and, and, yeah. and, and, and very few pleasures. And so mm. we're not very good at, as people in in the UK. Anyway, I find in, in the UK, people don't often tend to embrace their pleasure or to feel or mm. to have... Or to, or to indulge in pleasure guilt-free. Yeah, mm.
2: there's, it's, de- it's definitely not good. And the number of people... If you, say, if you say to somebody, on a scale of naught to 10, how much did you enjoy the last time you had sex? So many are under 5. It's often less mm. than 5. And, and because the, the point is, get an erection, you get wet or get wet, and orgasm, and uh, get, your, get your erection, keep your erection, orgasm, phew, job done. Did you enjoy it? Not really. It was quite stressful.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I was really focused on those three Job jobs done. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Mm. It's it, mm. and you, where, where was the pleasure?
0: Yeah, <laughs> mm. you're missed. so right. Like, yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. Mm. absolutely well um so we're coming to the end thank you so much i one one a final question i guess is if there is anyone listening to this today and particularly lgbtq plus is and they and they think oh yeah maybe i could do some sex there for that you were talking about you know the usefulness of people who, who sort of know or, they've, or they're aware of what's going on who should they turn to where can they find you and other therapists like you
3: i think the uh, the website Pink therapy is a really good place to start because it's uh, it's mm. where they, they have a directory of therapists that are lgbtq friendly or Really well informed. Most of them identify also as LGBTQ, but, but not all. But that's really the, the the first place. Or you can look mm. for CRSRT, um, because that's the sex and relationship therapy place. And usually people in CRSRT, uh, that are registered with CRSRT know a lot more than, about sexuality than mm. the uh, generic therapist. But sometimes, it is just really about talking to your therapist about it and asking mm. if they have um, experience with LGBTQ people. And I said mm. to um, a lot of my clients who are out there or Potential clients, I said it's okay to interview your therapist. Yeah, mm, mm.
2: absolutely, it is. And and some people have had, as you say, really bad experiences, and they and they need to interview their therapist so they need to know what they're going to get. Tell us about your book as well, Silver.
3: My book is on compulsive sexual behaviours, and um, it's uh, with Ratledge. It came out in May twenty twenty one, and it's basically mm. working with compulsive sexual behaviour that is not the sex addiction mindset. So it's a it's a different way mm. of working because so, so much of it is about sex addiction and it's it, it's one way and I just, i'm just proposing a different way
2: yeah good mm. for you brilliant and we'll, we'll link to that
0: well silver thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thank you brilliant <laughs> it was yeah, really really great to see yeah, you. really great to connect with you and keep in touch will do absolutely you've been listening to the real sex education which is hosted by diggory Waite and kate campbell The show is produced by Diggory Waite and the executive producer is Claire Broughton. The Real Sex Education is a hat-trick podcast. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between Diggory Waite and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Diggory does wish his
1: mother was played by Gillian Anderson.